This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Wildcatters? Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We're super excited to get back in the studio and kind of get life back to normal. We have something that we're working on uh, that we recently released called The Bullpen. You might have seen it, heard it. Um, so we've had a lot of questions about what is the bullpen. So this is a place where you can go and watch uh, demos um, of a lot of the technologies from the companies that we've had on the show. For example, uh, Well Database is on there, Nash, Corva, Subsurface IO, OBG Analytics, and Outfield uh, thus far. So if you want to go to digitalwildcatters.com forward slash bullpen or just click the link in the show notes, you can go and actually see their technologies. Uh, and seen it in a way that we believe is really compelling. So we're projecting we're going to have on at least probably 20 companies by the end of this month, so May 2020. Uh, also, if you're a tech company and you want to get on there and showcase your technology, just reach out. It's completely free. We'd love to have you. Um, this week, we had on the guys from Inside Petroleum. We actually met them a few years ago, but they wouldn't tell us anything about what they were working on. And after seeing their technology yesterday, I will say that it's definitely worth the wait. Really excited about what these guys are working on. They're disrupting a space that's dominated by legacy players. And I think a lot of the engineers and finance guys are really going to enjoy this one. So before we get into the episode, with the rapidly changing price environment in oil and gas, it's important to stay lean and flexible. And that's why Auburn Energy Management is offering full-scale upstream asset operating and technical advisory services to workout firms, financial institutions, and investors of distressed oil and gas assets. The best part, these services are offered without the requirement of the asset owner giving up working interest or royalty interest in the actual asset. This allows Auburn to eliminate conflict or competition across their clients and allows the asset owner to capture as much value and upside as possible. This fee-based, flexible GNA model provides a cost-focused approach to asset management on a scalable platform that has allowed Auburn and parent company Sierra Hamilton to execute $1.5 billion in capital projects across every major producing basin in the lower 48, Alaska, and the Gulf of Mexico. Their large network of field personnel, all the way up to the C-suite executives, allows them to be basin agnostic and help clients wherever they might be. Quick example, a credit fund recently took ownership of an asset after a restructuring settlement Auburn can operate the asset on behalf and reduce the GNA expenses for this fund by 70%. If you need a cost-effective solution to manage your assets, visit Auburn Energy Management at auburn-energy.com or click the link in the show notes below. What's going on, Wildcatters? We're back in the studio. It's been a, uh, well, it's only been a week, but it feels, like it, it feels like it's been forever because we batched like 12 episodes and then didn't record for two months. And honestly, I missed it. So we're back. Yeah, we're back hitting the ground running fast. Who we got today, man? We've got Jeremy and Jeremy. I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm just going to say Jeremy and Armand. How about that? <laughs> cool. How do, you, how do you say how do you say y'all's last names for everybody? Mine is Paradis. Okay, Paradis. Yeah. Okay. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Okay. That's not so bad. I guess yeah, it's not that bad. Jake, he gets flashbacks to like Nam because one time he opened up a, a podcast and he said the person. No, you said you didn't even say it wrong. You said the uh, wrong name. For the person. Oh, and- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was... Um, it was Data Gumbo. <laughs> <laughs> that was William Fox. So shout out to William. Um, but I, I I think I called him like Michael. I think I like, him like Michael Fox. There's like Megan Michael Stein. or Kyle or some other generic white Just, person. Yeah, name. Totally. Just like- <laughs> That was, that was, a, that was a little, and, and it's funny because we kn- I had known him. It wasn't like the first time he had shown up. I just completely butchered his name. But also, 
Justin Godier. I was calling him Justin Gaither for like a year and a half. And he never corrected me because he's such a nice Canadian. Uh, you got you to clarify on people's names now. So I'm actually really excited about this episode because I've had several people come up to me and like, hey, have you seen Inside Petroleum? It's some really cool stuff. You should get them on the show. And I'm like, yeah, no, man, but they're, you know, operating under stealth mode. They don't want to come on the show. They don't, they don't want people to know about them. So I'm excited that you guys are finally here. Yeah, I, was, I was telling Jeremy before you walked in, I was like, yeah, we had our mom come in our office and we're like, yeah, what do you guys do? And you were just like, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, cool. So like, how's, yeah, how's awkward the family? Meeting, and, I can't tell you what we're doing. I was like, I liked him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> it's okay. We've been doing some stuff installed too that people don't know about. But so how, how do you guys... How do you guys describe yourself? What do you guys do? So we built a next generation uh, reserves and economics platform. So people been using platform from 30, 40 years ago, like dinosaur platforms. And uh, these guys, they haven't made any changes to their systems like forever. And uh, the first day I started using it, I was like, man, are we going back in time? <laughs> like, th like this is 21st century. We're still using like, MS-DOS systems, like mm -hmm. I can't even open it. <laughs> I don't know what to do here. <laughs> so you literally need to be a programmer to use some of this program. It's just crazy. And it's for, uh, and we're making billions of dollars of decisions every day using these platforms, uh, which very archaic. So that was the whole idea uh, for uh, Inside Petroleum. We wanted to build a platform that people use it and just have fun. You know, make reservoir engineering fun. You can do evaluation and forecasting in a very granular manner. And you can generate your numbers and cash flows in, in minutes, not months. And uh, with, with the granularity that you need. So, and we wanted to make it so easy that we, we always make a joke about it, that it's so easy and even landman can run reserves <laughs> economics. You know, so, and it's honestly, that's the case. We onboarded land people. These guys are submitting bids. You know, they, they value deals, they, uh, they make, they buy minerals and, uh, they love it. You know, it's just so simple and fun. So you guys were, you're comparing yourself, I guess, or your competitors would be like an Aries, a PhD win. Some of the things that, you know, petroleum engineers have used for a long time, like, you know, decades and decades, you know, some of these are actually taught. I know PhD win, for example, is taught at Texas A&M. And so a lot of these tools are like ingrained from the time that you start your, your journey, right. as a petroleum engineer. And so, but if you've ever talked to anybody who's using these platforms, it's, Nobody has anything good to say about it. It's just, no. it's an industry standard, but nobody's really questioned why is it the industry standard? Exactly. So that's, that was the problem. You know, I, I couldn't accept that fact that, okay, everybody using it, we have to use it. I literally refused to learn it. I was like, this is stupid. This is a waste of my time. <laughs> I can do something else with my time. Like, I, like the first I opened up Aries and uh, I thought I'm going to learn it myself. Like, do, there was nothing. There's no, no information about it anywhere. Just like, just say you want to build a project, you don't know what to do. Like, just as simple as that. You want to forecast the bill. You don't know how to forecast the bill. It's just as basic as... So they don't have a YouTube or anything, huh? Nothing. No YouTube. <laughs> no YouTube. customer support, no nothing. Customer support is Halliburton. Send them an email, they get back to you in yeah. two weeks, you know? So it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Like, they have some so forums and stuff, but... Uh, it's just archaic, man. Like, it, it didn't make any sense uh, to me. And I, I'm sure it doesn't make sense to a lot of people based on all these chats that we had. So that was ge genesis be, uh, besides and uh, behind Inside Petroleum. It's funny. I always make a joke about uh, dealing with some of the legacy systems. 
And there was one call I was I was trying to build an integration with one of IHS's legacy products, uh, Field Direct, mm-hmm. which at one point in time was like the biggest field data capture platform, at least mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, I call IHS and I'm on support. They have two people who are dedicated to this product, and that's it. Wow. And so I was like, "Hey, do you guys have an API?" And they were like, "Well, there's an API number in the thing." And I'm like, "That's not what I'm talking about." <laughs> and so, like, one person had like half built this API uh, documentation, and we were able to like somehow find it. We found it on our own. Yeah. Uh, they didn't give us any of this information. We were able to make it work, but it's it's pretty funny how like, just archaic some of these, you know, industry standards are. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. I thought one interesting thing that you said was trying to make reservoir engineering fun. Yeah. Like that's that's a really cool way to think. Yeah. About yeah. It. I like that. Yeah, like we like think about it. Like we run an oil and gas business. If you don't know what how much money you make from your oil and gas wells, what's the value? I, like you cannot even make decisions, you know? So currently the systems that are being used to make this decision is such a choppy process. Like if you like right now operators are trying to figure out, for example, how much capex uh, I need capex reduction has has the effect on my portfolio, correct? Just doing some basic analysis like that, it would take a month. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, the oil price drop. Okay, what's the effect on my portfolio? What was gonna, I'm going to shut in? Yeah. Or um, I'm going to change my villa spacing. Just changing villa spacing is a nightmare. Like, it would yeah. take you three, four months just to change your villa spacing plan. In our platform, you can do this stuff in five minutes. Like, it's just that wow. easy, dude. Like, it's be, be, because... Like me and Jeremy, both of us coming from the oil and gas background. I was a reservoir engineer every day working in the systems. And I figured, man, I don't know how even we making decisions these days. Like we we, 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 we approving million dollar AFEs, we buying projects for billions of dollars with very, very minimum knowledge and insights. Mm-hmm. And that, and you wonder why why a lot of companies don't make money, correct? So, yeah. Because the decisions are made in a in a low quality manner. What's funny, I think like two months ago, I ran a poll on Twitter that got several hundred votes on it. And the question was, if you asked an EMP about a specific well, if it was profitable at that moment <laughs> in time on a marginal cost basis, could they give you a correct answer? And I think it was like 85 or 90% of people said no. And I just found it really interesting because if you look at other, you know, um, just manufacturing or energy mm-hmm. solutions, um, you should be able to tell in real time, like, hey, we can make money this day or we can't. And in oil and gas, you can't do that. And like, how do you make any good decisions if you can't make real time decisions? You mm-hmm. cannot. And uh, and uh, and you you think, if, for example, we had roughly five, six thousand wells operated and non-operated. So the way that we wanted to solve the problem is just keep hiring people, right? Yeah. So, but there's so much a human can do, you know, like, and, and a, machine, a computer can do millions of calculations in a matter of seconds. Humans can do so much, correct? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the process, when the process is wrong, when you don't have the right tools, and going back to what you mentioned, this is very, very big problem. You don't know which field is actually making money. That's mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like, if you bring this problem to any other industry, they would laugh in your face. <laughs> yeah. The first day that I was explaining this problem to our software developers, they were like, are, are you serious? You're talking about like a company, billion dollars. They don't know how much money they make from their wells exactly. They don't know how much, what is the profit margin? I was like, no, these are not connected. The, 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 the oil and gas reserves and economics is not con- connected to, to accounting. Yep. You don't know your actual cost. You just put in random estimated cost. So it's so it's so funny because one of my friends, PhD from Stanford, uh, came from finance world, came over here into oil and gas to build tech, and mm. 
he, he said, hey, you know, um, he brought up the same thing. And I told him, I said, you cannot, these EMPs cannot give you a real-time cost. And he's like, no, no, surely you're wrong. And I was like, I'm not. Dude, I, I promise you, I don't know much in this world, but no, I'm not wrong about that this. That was my <laughs> sales pitch with GDS, where essentially we built like a web-based kind of like new AGRP back in the mm-hmm. day. And I'd walk into it, I walk into an EMP and I'd say, give me a list of your 10 most profitable wells, a list of your 10 least profitable wells. And I'm like, well, we can't. Yep. And I'm like, why can't you? And I'm like, well, we don't have the technology to do it. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Like, think about us. Like, we had 5,000 wells operated and non operated. And then you have a team of, let's say, 5, 10 engineers, yeah. right? And then, like, like going back to what you mentioned, you don't want to spend all your time on 5,000 vets. It doesn't make any financial sense, correct? Mm-hmm. You, it's that 80-20 rule, yeah. it applies to everything. So uh, 20% of your wells making 80% of your cash flow. So that's the, and then you have to focus on that tw- top 20 wells, correct? Mm-hmm. So we brought that concept to reserves and economics, correct? So let's say you want to evaluate a project that has 5,000 wells or even 1,000 wells, correct? It's a big number. You don't want to go through a thousand wells well by well. It, it doesn't have any, it does, there's no sense, correct? So you just want to find those top 10% problematic wells that has actual value for you, correct? You, you, you can sort it based on the valuation, net present value, whatever the, the sorting criteria that you have. You find those top 10 wells and top 10% of wells and you just put your focus on it, correct? Yeah. And then, and then the other topic that you mentioned, uh, Real, real-time value, that, that, that doesn't exist at all. They, they, the whole data system for the oil and gas companies is a lot of them is broken. So they, they, we, they don't have a centralized database that puts everything together. Everything's separated, mm-hmm. right? And then when these things are separated, your work interest, it might reside in some other system. And then the way that they transfer that information, okay, let me get an export in Excel and upload the backup into the other mm-hmm. So this means it's not real time, correct? So if somebody forget to do it for a week, you all of a sudden you have wrong work interest. That'd you be know? me. I'd be forgetting for a week. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got working interest, you've got net revenue interest, you've got to deal with all of your uh, working interest partners, you've got to deal with joint interest billing, you've got to mm-hmm. deal with AFEs, you've got to deal with all that, right? 100%. There's so much to take into consideration. Like we were talking about taxes right before we got on. There's different yeah. taxes in different mm-hmm. different states. There's different mm-hmm. kinds of taxes that you mm-hmm. have to deal with. Exactly. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's a very, very complex issue. It's not, uh, you know, one one biggest difference between oil and gas and any other industries is, is the complexity that we're dealing with. So reservoir is something 10,000 feet under the ground, correct? You, mm-hmm. you don't know what is going on down there, correct? And then... So, uh, so from uh, geological analysis, and then you bring in the volume to surface, and these volumes are going to one tank battery, correct? Like 10 wells, 20 wells go to one, one mm-hmm. tank battery. And then they go in and allocate those volumes to per, per well level, correct? So even within the allocation, we have a lot of problem. It just, it means even if they tell you this volume is coming from this well, you're not sure, you're estimating, you're still not fully sure if, if this volume is exactly coming from this well or from the well next to it. Correct? So did you guys build an allocation engine? We do not, but I'm just overall problems, yeah. you know, so this is another um, a problem here, correct? And then... And then you, you're thinking, okay, I'm building an analytics engine, why my correlations are such a weak correlations? Because we have so much inherent error in our data measurement, data processing, systems are not talking to each other. And then when you're talking about production forecasting, that by itself is, is crazy, correct? Like imagine if well might have six months of data and you're trying to project 50 years into future, right? That's how 
the overall evaluation is done in the oil and gas. You have few amount of data, and then you trying to and do projection. You try to extrapolate. You it extrapolate. Over and, yeah. and you can see, you, you guys heard about butterfly effect, correct? A slight deviation in, let's say, your B factor can make your well MPV positive or MPV negative, correct? It's, there's yeah. so much inherent risk in just doing that. And it, that's just your forecasting volumes. And then you're talking about your CapEx, you're talking about like the prices, and you guys see how much fluctuation that we have. Like uh, three months ago, four months ago, if you talk about oil price going to go to $20, everybody will laugh at you. So my point is you're dealing with a probabilistic problem here, correct? So everything is about probability. There's no such thing mm -hmm. as best estimate, correct? So you have to have a system that captures all the outcomes. And, then, and that, is, that means he, huge amount of computation. So it means when you do a project, uh, production forecast, you cannot say, my oil is going to make this much EUR. This is wrong. You got to say, but the probability of 50% is going to make this much. Probably 90% is going to make it this much. Mm -hmm. And what is my price index? My price index is based on uh, what I got from Strip. And, uh, but again, there is a lot of fluctuation, a lot of uh, sensitivity around it, correct? You have to put everything into one picture, like your CapEx. Even though you know you, have, you might have some contracts and stuff, but you, don't, you might know short term six months, six months ahead of time, but you don't know it for two years ahead of time or five mm -hmm. years ahead of time. And a lot of value is coming from your future locations, and that those means uh, you got to make a lot of assumptions, correct? And all those assumptions, there are risks uh, associated with it, there's uh, sensitivity. So the point is the platform that we built, it lets you take all this stuff into consideration. So you can run a variation of forecast and a variation of capex and a variation of pricing with a daily resolution, correct? So again, one of the biggest uh, problems in, in the oil and gas, a lot of calculations done in a, with a month, month granularity, month. It's not even to the day, correct? So we brought daily calculation into picture. We brought probabilistic uh, forecast, probabilistic economics into picture. So you can have a probabilistic view of your asset, correct? So... This means a ton of computation, which has to be done in a cloud, correct? You cannot mm -hmm. run that in a desktop solution. Uh, you run a, a thousand wells forecast on a desktop solution, it would take two days. In our platform, it takes 20 seconds, correct? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, 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 and these days, a lot of companies are less and less worried about cloud concept. So out of all these uh, presentations that we have, we present on our platform to hundreds of companies. We only have one or two company actually brought up this topic which is which was yeah, amazing i, I, I loved it I, I was so amazed just not hearing oh my data is somewhere in the cloud what's gonna happen yeah like, well I, that's yeah. what it, it's a serious <laughs> problem and some people mm. that are listening may not understand how much of a barrier that was just you know three or four years mm. ago right mm -hmm. and you know the the technologies that we're able to have today you know we, we talk about this like, oh, EMPs, they don't know if, if you know on a daily basis if they're profitable on their asset or not. Well, mm -hmm. they haven't been able to have the technologies to do that in the past, right? Because mm -hmm. we didn't have cloud computing. So yeah. now we have the cloud, but then we get the cloud and then oil and gas is like, oh no, we're only on-prem servers. You know, it has <laughs> to, we, we have to control our data. We're not sending it to a cloud. Well, now it seems that we've gotten over that, that hill for the most part. And I mean, that really kind of seems like here in the like, the last one to two years, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty recent. And so now EMPs can actually start harnessing the power of cloud computing and really deploy solutions like Inside Petroleum. So, you know, that's been a big series of dominoes falling down over the last few years. 100%. You, you nailed it. So 
Yeah, this this was very good. Like people getting uh, more and more comfortable with the concept of cloud, because uh, when you uh, leave the competition to Google, you're dealing with big data, correct? So they have all the infrastructure, correct? You mm. you cannot bring those in house. It's impossible. Like these guys have thousands of uh, genius people every day developing technologies just for big data, correct? And today is everything's about data. Like we. If we capture a ton of data in the oil and gas, we even have second resolution production data from some of the offshore wells or some of even onshore wells, mm-hmm. right? But we don't we don't do anything with it. Like all this data, what happens? It stays on a hard drive and no action has been made. So that's that's that has to change for sure. And that means I have to have a very powerful engine that can analyze that data real time, correct? And let me to to do real-time decisions, correct? So let's say uh, it, this concept, again, it doesn't stop at the reservoir engine level. It can go to production engineering, correct? It, it, in, in actually, in drilling and completion, they did spend a lot more time in, in actually making real-time decisions because majority of the CapEx spent on drilling and completion. And uh, they forgot about all the other pieces of the puzzle, correct? Mm-hmm. They just left it at drilling level. or but. We, we bring in this concept to the actual production data and uh, uh, basically after drilling and completion. Yeah, you brought up a really good point about the waste in data. And I remember um, a couple of years ago uh, talking to a guy that uh, was at a frack data tech company. He's like, man, he's like, we have all this valuable data from frack data sets and it's hard to sell our service to ENPs because they just take that data from their frack jobs and then it just sits on a hard drive mm-hmm. and it never gets properly utilized so they don't see the value in the data that they hold. <laughs> Therefore, we're not able to sell our service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that just being able to have integration, you know, from end to end and actually be able to use the data that you have is valuable in itself, right? 100%. So, like data right now, the biggest analysis engine is Excel. So that's funny, right? So yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, I'm captioning second level data and then I'm going to send it in Excel. You open up Excel, Excel crashes, yeah. right? So like this is this is funny. Like uh, there's not a real robust solution out there. Uh, honestly, I don't know if there's any that many cloud solutions out there. You know, like people got hung up in this concept of cloud and a lot of it, I think... We were originally, I mean, oil and gas, they were so protective of their data, the data that didn't do anything with it. And then if you think about it, they have to report it to government anyway, correct? So why are you so worried about your production data? I understand early time is important, but after that, it's just, you're going to report it to yeah. government, correct? Yeah, so you, you're reporting your completion data, you all everything you have to report to government. You, you're reporting all your production data to government. So yeah, the, the only benefits here is you, you capturing that data uh, ahead of time and uh, and after that is going to be reported anyway. So let's talk about a little bit about, I'm getting really hype about all this stuff and I want to come back to it really quickly. Let's dive into each one of y'all's stories and then how did the idea of Inside Petroleum come about? And I'm also curious, did you guys work together or did you meet after? Yeah, because Jeremy was in finance, right? And then Armand, were you engineer? Reservoir engineer, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Jeremy, start <laughs> off, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. You worked at an EMP in finance. And yeah, give us kind of your experience and background. Sure. So uh, I headed up the finance team at uh, Deep Gulf Energy. Uh, We were backed by First Reserve and Arclight Capital. And I did that for seven years. And uh, while we were managing our portfolio, we we deployed a billion dollars, but it was just problematic getting sensitivity and scenario analysis. And it was just a slow decision-making process. So uh, Armand started the company back in 2017. I met up with him in 
uh, late 17 and early 18, saw what he was doing. He said, wow, we can, we can completely change. How did you guys link up? Just through a mutual friend. Oh, okay, cool. And so they made an introduction and I, I said, I see the vision. We can make a completely different process and add a ton of value to operators across everywhere. And so we went ahead and did that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, so, you know, you got, you got, you got the finance component. So, <laughs> and then you got the, the engineer over here. So yeah. a little bit about your background. Sure. Yeah. So bachelor's and master's in reservoir engineering. I started to work for a small company and uh, EMP company, Metro Energy in Louisiana. It was funny. The first that I got hired there, like these guys didn't have, like I was, they didn't even know what a reservoir engineer is. And he's like, <laughs> what, you, what do you do? And you're like, I'm a reservoir engineer. He's like, What's the, are you a geologist? And I'm like, no, I'm a reservoir engineer. He's like, what's the difference between reservoir engineer and geologist? So <laughs> seriously, for the uh, first uh, week or so, he didn't know what I am. Like I was just in the office and I was waiting for his instruction for me to do something. And I figured this guy, he, he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't give me any instruction. So, and I was like, okay, can I, do you want me to build you a website? <laughs> I built him a website. <laughs> that was your first task yeah, as a reservoir I, engineer? Yeah, I built him a website you know, as a reservoir engineer. And then, and then we had a geologist. This man was the oldest man, I think, in the, uh, like, in the town. <laughs> this guy was 80, 90 years old. And, uh, and uh, so I went to his office. He had paper logs everywhere, like logs from 19, 1900, like hand, handwritten logs from yeah. Slumbisher. It was yeah. crazy. Anyway, so um, I got to do a lot of stuff. I started doing everything ground up from learning logs, just going back to my books. And I was like, shit, this book was very interesting topic. Let me go read it again because it has an <laughs> application here. So I started, I started going back to like reading books. And then just I, I worked there three years. So I was pretty much doing anything from reservoir engineering to even finance related stuff, geology, making cross sections. And then... In 2014, all my friends, they moved to Houston, and uh, I moved with them too. So I, I started to work for Statoil. I, was, uh, I, I got hired as a well performance manager, so I, I was working on Marcellus and Utica. So uh, it was a totally different story because uh, when I was in Louisiana, we had like 200 wells, so everything was manageable in Excel, and mm-hmm. it was basic. And then when I started working for Statoil, all of a sudden you're talking about 5,000 U.S. onshore wells, and uh, so I, I, it was at the time that I figured, man, or oh, oh, the sheer amount of data that's coming to you every day. And then every week you're getting 20, 30 AFEs that has from your partners and you have to evaluate. And it's all three of us. Mm-hmm. I like it's just, and then you get a lot of requests from finance department, from land group for AMIs. And it's just so much work. And then at the same time, you have your day-to-day work of updating type curve, doing reserves and economic future locations. So, and then we had, the process was very choppy. Like if you, I was, it was a combination of Aries, IHS Harmony, uh, Excel, Enersite, and Spotfire. So it was like four or five things, you have to put them together. So and I was I was cool with IHS harmonies, but and then and then the first they opened up areas, it was just crazy. Anyway, so that was the whole idea behind Inside Petroleum. I see the opportunity, and we did the full research, and I figured everybody's doing the same thing. They're trying to solve the problem by just building workarounds, and 
and uh, just putting stuff together. Let me hire one software engineer helping 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 me over here. But the problem is much more complex, you know. And it's not a problem that uh, it four or five software developer that works for EMP can solve. It's just much more complex. You, you need to have a dedicated team that are in touch with a lot of operators and they're getting their feedback and constantly improving the platform. So I left Statoil 2017 and I raised Angel Investment, built a prototype of the platform. And then I started selling the prototype. You know, I, was, I, was, I wasn't making like, I was just basically using my own personal money and some investment. And then I, I met with Jeremy, showed him the platform, we teamed up, and we figured if we want to do it, we have to do it right. So let's just go find some in investors who believe in the idea. Mm -hmm. So 99% of the people, they thought, uh, they said the same exact story. Uh, industrial standard, everybody being, everybody's using Aries, everybody using PHP, it is impossible, correct? So mm -hmm. you, you cannot change that. So, but in my head, this, this wasn't sustainable. I was like, we, we lose, operators are losing money. We, this process is inefficient. This is the key. You need to know how much money you make. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't know how much you make, how can you run a business without knowing how much money you make, right? And uh, you yeah, and look at EMPs now. Yeah, and they're so, in that yeah. shape, right? I mean, yeah. You don't know how much money you're making on assets. And exactly. It catches and up to you. 100%. Yeah. So if you're constantly ignoring these issues, uh, it, it's going to catch you. And anyway, so um, we met with Danny Rice. Uh, Jeremy met with Danny Rice, amazing guys. Like these guys, like to me, they ran a flagship operator, right? Like, mm -hmm. Everything digitized. Like, so if someone's listening, they don't know who Danny Rice is or the Rice brothers, you know, mm -hmm. do you want to give a little sure, shout yeah. out to them? So uh, they were, they were, Danny himself was a, a founder and CEO of Rice Energy. They had operation in Marcellus and Utica in the Appalachia. So they, they were headquartered in Pennsylvania, in, in Pennsylvania, yeah. And uh, uh, these guys uh, literally digitized the entire process of EMP, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, they were using Salesforce when nobody knew what Salesforce is, right? Yeah. So, so it's just uh, their biggest uh, department where their IT team, correct? So, mm -hmm. so they were making real-time decisions on Vels. Yeah, the so, guys essentially built what you guys have done in a scalable platform, but they built it out on Salesforce, correct? Yeah, yeah. Salesforce, a combination of Salesforce and some other in, in, in internal tools, but... Uh, it was working for their own internal stuff. It's not something that you can really sell, mm -hmm. right? So when, when we present this idea to Danny, uh, he himself, he was a heavy PHP user and a uh, um, value navigator, and he was very familiar with Aries. He saw, he was like, yeah, this is a big problem. Like, we have to solve this. And they, they, they funded us. So they funded us and, uh, and amazing partners, great people to work with. So we start building the team, me and Jeremy, we start building the team and then keep hiring people. And uh, we started with two people and then we hired three more people. And as we, uh, we were building, we figured, man, this is complex. This is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. Like there's so much uh, pieces to this one that uh, uh, it's just, you just have to keep focus and build, build, build. Because if I go to market right now, I'm losing my focus. And yeah. uh, uh, so we, we, we said, okay, we're gonna keep building for at least two years. And we, we're going to show it to some people, get feedback, so we don't live in our own silos. But mm -hmm. there's no point selling something that is not ready, correct? So, yeah, and you, uh, you can't try to commercialize the product too early, yeah. especially in this space, because you know you try to take it to an EMP too early and it doesn't work, and then you never get another shot, right? Like, like you said, if you're taking on Aries and PhD Win, which are industry standards, right? 
if you were to release it and you were missing some of the biggest features that they have, mm-hmm. automatically you're disqualified. Yeah, right? you're losing credibility. Yeah. And you and more important, you're losing time, correct? So so you you have to stay focused. And so I was like, Jeremy, I'm gonna keep building. If you want to show it to your buddies, it's fine. Just get collect feedback so we know we are not crazy here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, it was three years, two and a half, three years of really hard work. You're talking about 70, 80 hours a week, constantly building and uh, just improving the platform. Communicating with software developers, it was a challenge because these guys don't have a clue what you're talking about, about oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And what you are building is, is not a mainstream, right? Yeah. If you build in Instagram, everybody understands pictures and videos, right? <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about reserve reconciliation <laughs> and just the word is like oh it scares them it scares them yeah, you're a lot talking about eur yeah. you know p factors like what the hell it, are you it was about, there man? was an armand <laughs> training camp literally yeah. for the first 30 days we didn't even touch a co- there was no code written for 30 yeah. days and it was armand university where we were sitting down <laughs> huddled up uh with uh the blackboard and he was writing out what is eur telling them how production works i mean it was just an education awesome. process so everybody that came through that software developer basically has a, a mini PhD in oil and gas. <laughs> I can tell you all the data scientists. They've gone through oil and gas. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> actually, they can get hired as reservoir engineers. Yeah. Right that, that's actually interesting. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about scaling up the team and, mm-hmm. and um, hiring some people. Did you guys go heavy on developers? Did you go heavy on engineers? You know, how, how was that balance? Yeah, so engineers, the good thing was me and Jeremy, I was I was reservoir engineer, it was finance. So so we had we knew what we want. So mm-hmm. so we didn't focus too much on that piece. And we had a lot of friends that they, they help us help us out like here and there. But the focus was mainly developers and data scientists. Yeah, which is very hard to find in Houston. Like yeah. me and Jeremy, man, we were sending messages. You're talking about like message automation on LinkedIn. <laughs> we were like <laughs> sending 500 messages a day. Like yeah. that was it. So it was uh, finally we got uh, our team and uh, uh, but um, yeah, it, it was it was a quite a quite a journey just to find the right people and just and make them understand the complexity here, right? Because you're dealing Again, I'm not dealing a bunch of bar and bar charts and just here. Like the charts that we render in has one million data point, correct? So yeah. when you tell that to a developer, it's like, wow, it's like this is next level, correct? Because mm-hmm. everything that we build in is literally next level. Like if I if they ask me go ahead and build Facebook, I can build it even when I'm asleep right now. Like it's just like because it's it's very easy to communicate. People know what you want and you're not dealing with literally charts and graphs and computation that runs on, on millions of CPUs, correct? Yeah. So it's the complexity is huge here, and the numbers matters. Like we were talking about, we were uh, matching the numbers in the f- four decimals, correct? So and then and then the, these are the fun part, okay? That I, I love this because it was all learning. The part that wasn't fun <laughs> is converting from those archaic <laughs> solution to our format. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you're talking about complexity here, because like. They're using some uh, some databases and some uh, you know, like for example some um, syntax that is not is first of all you don't understand it. it's not human language and then the database that they use is not common at all and then uh, different methodology they do it different we we do it slightly different and then they have some functionality we have uh, we do, we don't have and we have some functionality they don't have so this conversion was. 
the most painful thing mm-hmm. for us, correct? Just converting from their format to ours and to their format, correct? So just matching the numbers and stuff, that, that was the most painful process. But besides that, it was all, it was a lot of hard work, but it was fun because I know yeah. it would add a lot of value to my knowledge, correct? So mm-hmm. it's just, uh, I'm learning everyday new stuff, high tech stuff, dealing with Google. Google was very supportive. You know, like when, when we told them that uh, this is a vision and the vision is, uh, we, uh, when we told them the story, they couldn't believe it either, but they're like, wow, what are you guys talking about? It, it has a ton of value, correct? And, and, and I think, we did the right thing. So we, we just stayed focused, build, build, build. And we knew the market is huge because it's not just EMPs. And we can use it. Uh, you, you're talking about so many other, anybody who's involved in the oil and gas, one way or another can use it, mm-hmm. right? So even if investor, mineral, a hedge fund, you name it, like they, they, need, to, they need to see the dollars, right? Yeah. So if you think about any other solution out there, um, I'm going to optimize my villa spacing. Okay, what's the impact on my portfolio? What's the dollar amount, correct? That, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're making, you, you want to make economic decisions, correct? So uh, just high level, I'm increasing my QM90 by 30%. It doesn't help me understand what's going to affect my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So we attack the core problem that everybody else was scared of attacking it. So we attack the core and everything else is a module for us. Correct? So, everything is just can sit on our platform. Yeah. yeah. So earlier you guys said that you guys built this 100% from scratch, right? 100% from scratch. So, so two parts. Uh, I'm curious about like what y'all's tech stack is. I think a lot of people don't really talk about that. And then the second part of the question would be, why did you guys decide to go that way? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of people building stuff on Spotfire, which is makes it the development time much easy, faster, correct? And yeah. Spotfire gives you a lot of like you can build a dashboard it's cool you know but again again it's not an enterprise level platform right it's not a it has its limitations it has a lot you know, of it's, limitations it's good for an mvp or maybe a little bit past that but yeah. i think it's good because you can quickly spin something up and then test it and do that feedback loop with with clients customers and whatever and then from there mm-hmm. migrate on to into building something but at the same time that does have it have its own cost so i'm kind of curious to see how you guys thought about 100%. that you you nailed it so it's great for if I want to build something that I can run it internally for two people, one person here and there, so uh, more of a MVP like you men- mentioned. But you cannot have a, you cannot have a thousand people at the same time logging in into a software and see what's happening. Right? Yeah. Well, should, well, for one, it doesn't make economic sense because you have to pay licenses for each one of those. Hundred percent. Right? You you a software is not free, correct? Yeah. And then and then again, uh, it has a ton of limitations in terms of capabilities of stuff that you want to do, correct? So um, we wanted to build something big. So that's why we said, okay, we know it's going to be a lot more challenging, but this is the right way. And we, we, made, we made the right choice. And uh, in terms of stack, we're using, we, we partner with Google uh, okay. and then we're using Mongo, MongoDB. Yeah. Shout out and, to those uh, guys. Yeah, great, great yeah, guys. Like Mongo. Mongo, yeah, it, they have a great product. The other thing is uh, everything that we develop is, is a combination of JavaScript and Python. So it's just. I think it's worth noting, you know, you guys have been building this for the better part of two years, maybe, maybe longer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you found a good capital partner that understood the vision Mm -hmm. and understood like, Hey, it's going to take a while to build this. And, you know, we've, um, you know, if Jeb and and, and Sarah are listening, you know, from Rice Energy, you know, they told us, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, back in the day, we built this entire thing for Rice Energy on Salesforce. And it's really cool to hear about Rice Mm -hmm. Energy. You know, a lot of people don't know, but you mentioned it, that 
hey, we believe that they were, you know, the most technologically advanced and efficient operator. Mm-hmm. And Jake and I have thought that for a long time as Hands well. Hands down, you know? yeah. Like yep. leagues yeah. ahead of everybody yeah, else. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I think that's actually a really cool story in itself. And mm-hmm. we got to get the Rice Brothers on here sometime to tell that story. But Shout out Danny. We were, we were supposed to make that happen a long time ago. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we will sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, Toby, Toby is super cool. You yeah, know, Toby, yeah. Right? He, he's running right now EQT. Man, we, 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 I saw him in Nape and I and said, Toby, we built it. He was like, man, you, you built a company in your kitchen. Like, he, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was very impressed. And then he, uh, all of a sudden, I said, Toby, everything that we do in our, in our company is very connected. We're using so many tools to just make automation, even within our small team. And he was like, look, check my cell phone. He, he, pick, pick, he showed us, like, the, how much royalty goes to this uh, royalty owner, like, and who is like it, talking about like it has some issues like you could you could monitor his company in cell phone like it was just that cool that's you pretty know? cool yeah. yeah yeah and I mean you just think trying to do that at most EMPs and <laughs> you know like you talk like that that comment that you made at the beginning you know making reservoir engineering fun again yeah stood out to me I'm not a reservoir engineer mm-hmm. I've never had the role but mm-hmm. you know I have many friends that are reservoir engineers and they all hate their job. I'm not going to say they all, they all hate their jobs, <laughs> but a lot of them complain like, yeah, I'm just sit here and I aggregate data <laughs> all day. Like you know, I'm going through Dropbox and Google drives and Excel sheets mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to piece things together. But I think that a recurring theme that we've talked to founders on the show about and something that we're going to see over the next 10 years is, you know, how do you increase the efficiency of people within EMPs? Mm-hmm. Because you can't keep bolting on acreage and then mm. increase your GNA and keep hiring on people. You need yeah. to figure out how to scale assets mm-hmm. and make people more efficient. And, you know, Jake and I, we've thought about this problem a lot over the years and it's, you know, aggregating data, building connectors. So everything comes in together and it's a massive undertaking. And so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, you guys have had to you know, take a couple of years to build it before you can even commercialize it because, it just takes that much work. I think oh, a lot yeah. of people focus on a single problem, but one of the things that, that Jeremy had mentioned before we hopped on the mic was that you guys are focusing on workflows, yeah. you know, and understanding the entire process and in through different workflows and then mm-hmm. building a tool to facilitate those workflows, you I'm, know? And, and as we were talking about, we were talking about our little tech stack that we use and we've, we've consolidated our internal tools for wildcatters down from, you know, 20 different tools down to pretty much three, mm-hmm. three that do a lot of things really, really well. And they all integrate together and it makes our lives so much easier because it takes so much off our plate. You know, you mm-hmm. think about, so just think about everything that we do with, with, with you know, our email list and managing multiple podcasts and multiple shows and stuff. And you take that and make it a thousand times more complicated. That's running an EMP. Mm-hmm. Right? And anytime that you forget to do a certain thing or somebody gets sick and there's things that slip through the cracks, your data goes to, to shit Mm-hmm. Right. And things just get worse. Right. And it starts yeah. from there. And so, yeah, you got you to get ahead of all that. Exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah, complexity is just enormous. Like the data that we're collecting, like you can have a thousand different attributes for just Wilhelm, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You're talking about like a locational, uh, geological information, log information, and Forget about frag data. That frag yeah. data by itself is like so, you're talking about terabyte of data just for one well, you know? On, yeah. on that topic, are you guys following any, I'm curious, are you guys following any of the kind of like PPDM standards or are you blazing a trail? Because there's, that's a huge debate, right? Yeah. As to whether you've got one camp that's like, yeah, you know, we're the PPDM fanboys and mm-hmm. the other camp saying that that is nowhere near realistic and it doesn't work. What is PPDM? It's a standard for the, uh, some standardization on the data schema for mm-hmm. uh, like, oil and gas data 
going back to what you mentioned. But it also is, it's built for structured databases, not for something like a Mongo. Yeah, 100%. So. And then the other issue is, it's built by not, e- not EMP. Correct? Yeah. Like, to me, the, if somebody outside EMP wants to build a solution for EMP, it's very hard to make it work and yeah. make it completely to be uh, uh, optimized. Like, uh, the data, so a lot of it matters. So if you don't know enough about the data and you don't know enough about the processes, you might spend a ton of energy on stuff that doesn't matter, correct? So, and there are a lot of stuff, a lot of noise out there. Uh, removing noise from signal is something very difficult. A you lot of people ask, get hung up on something that is not important. It's yeah? very easy, especially when you're building a data model, to be like, I oh, want you to pull all these in because there's some value to be extracted. But if you don't know what that value is up front, exactly. it's very easy to chase a lot of rabbits down holes that you can't build in any kind of correlations or causations to, to, to extract any value from that. And 100%. so you have to focus on, like you said, the 80-20 rule. Yeah. You know, what are the 20 that really exactly. make all the difference? And then you're going to meet with a lot of people and they're going to give you a lot of feedback. A lot of those feedbacks are not valid again, correct? So it might just be his feedback. But yeah. So building any solution, you have to talk to a lot of people. You have to, first of all, you have to have you have to felt the pain yourself, right? If you felt the pain <laughs> yourself, is a big differentiator. I felt oh, yeah. it, you know? <laughs> So, and uh, like, for example, like one of the biggest challenges right now in the EMP is I'm changing my well spacing. How does it affect my portfolio? Mm-hmm. This is a very difficult situation. You know why? Because mm-hmm. the moment you do that, your number of inventory changes, correct? Yep. Your sticks on the map changes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then... The sticks on the map changes, the, the type curve changes because the wells are spaced far, right? Yep. And then uh, your capex changes because you're going to have less wells on per path, correct? It, everything changes. Yeah, and people, so, people think it's as easy as just saying, oh, we're going to you know, space further out. But it's yeah. like, no, it changes the entire, entire economics thing. of the yeah. asset. Exactly. And then your number of rigs changes because you're going to drill less wells or more wells. It's just trickle down to everything. And so making this practice right now, it would... Minimum takes three months, like mm-hmm. for any EMP. I, I would challenge them because unless if they have hundred wells, correct? If if you talk any measure doing this analysis, we've done it in Statul. It would take us even much longer than that. So because it, and that's why a lot of companies refuse to change their village business just because they were scared of up, updating their business plan. Yeah. The entire the entire capital budget, everything changes. We're just going okay. Instead of six hundred foot village spacing, let's do eight fifty. Mm-hmm. Changes everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's scary to think about. Yeah, but it's scary. I'm glad I don't run an EMP. I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to figure that out. But yeah. now we got easy software like Inside Petroleum, <laughs> so I could just <laughs> sit there and figure it out. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it just uh, so we build the foundation so you can do those analysis and see the impact on your portfolio and cash flow immediately, correct? Yeah. So I know uh, we have right now maybe 90% of the functionality, and it's never going to end. People constantly want more functionality. And the body just we're gonna constantly build that, correct? And every week we have a new release. Isn't it cool? Like Aries past four years, they have I don't know, two releases, three releases. <laughs> we release some features. Come on, man, don't burn Aries like that. Come on. These guys getting drugged through the mud today. Yeah, yeah, this is a real story. I'm I'm not exaggerating here. We were demoing to a major operator. They asked for a feature in the demo. By the end of the demo, they, they, we released the feature. That's awesome. They, they were super impressed, That's, right? Yeah. Isn't it cool? Like they asked for this button to be this way. 
I send a message on Slack to my team, guys, get this done. Make it right now. <laughs> Make it right, right now. now. <laughs> it got it done. We pushed the we pushed the live, and then I was like, guys, can you go back to that page one more time? Boom, the button is there. That's like, awesome. Just, like, that's the power we're speaking here, correct? So we have a we have a team that these guys, everybody has equity in the company, correct? Yeah. So they have they are, they have skin in the game, and they get paid yeah. very well, and they're gonna work hard. And yeah. right now they're all experts, correct? So yeah. it's just. Putting these things together, it just takes a lot of dedication. Like, and that's why I keep saying, like, a lot of operators are saying, okay, I'm going to hire my own software developer team. Do it. It will cost you a hundred times more. Like, uh, it's, everything's doable, correct? You can hire, uh, you can have, you can spend three years, two years, try to do it. And, and then whatever you're building is just going to work just for your own internal yeah. stuff. And if something new pops up, something right now, okay. Negative oil price or oil prices that go so low. Correct? That's this concept that it wasn't introduced before, correct? Mm -hmm. And the operators, they have to shut in wells on a mass. You're not talking about one or two wells. I'm, I have to optimize my shutting program. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, just, I'm not going to just randomly shut in this well three months, this well six months. Some wells have to be shut in one month. One well might, might have to be shut in six months. There's not a process for that. Yeah, we, we built a tool for it in the past two weeks. It's going to be released this week, correct? <laughs> so, like, by, like, think about it. Like, it's just, that's, that's the power we're speaking here, guys. We are, like, we're constantly in touch with operators, and uh, we constantly get their feedback. And the moment we figure, yeah, this feature adds value, we get after it, and we, re we build it, and we release it. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. yeah, such a good point that, yeah. you know, you guys are a software company, EMPs need to stick to figuring out how to get oil out of the ground. Don't try to build internal mm -hmm. software solutions. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I'm excited that you guys came on. I get really pumped about this. I get excited mm -hmm. about Insight Petroleum. Where can anyone listening to you or listening to this episode find you guys? Are you on? You have your website up, you yep. on LinkedIn? Yeah, 100%. Reach us to us on LinkedIn, website, anywhere. We're always present. What's, what's the uh, URL to the website? InsidePetroleum.com. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, easy, easy enough. Yeah, easy enough. Awesome. Well, We're literally inside <laughs> of the petroleum. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> so if anyone uh, wants to reach out to you guys, go to the website, uh, find these guys on LinkedIn. We'll put uh, links in the show notes so that they can find you. Hey, I appreciate y'all coming on the show. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Really thanks appreciate thanks you guys. So thank much. you so much, Jacob. Thank you so much. Guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Really. You guys have such a cool show. Seriously, like just watching your videos and uh, on, on LinkedIn, I loved it, man. Like you guys, we're so connected to people and, and you guys weren't scared of to reaching out to anybody. You know, that, that's, that's, that takes some courage. You know, you guys can reach out to CEO of Exxon you know, tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like, and then and there are some people that be in the industry, they're, all the, they're shy of talking to even to their boss or like yeah, to, their, yeah. to their own CEO. But you guys, what, what you guys are doing is amazing. And uh, it's just, it brought up a lot of issues with oil and gas and you guys make it obvious. You show the positive, you show the negative and bring transparency you know just making people communicate with each other and just and and don't be scared of talking about, about the problems you know we have problems if you ignore it this industry is not going to be around like we yeah. have to accept there is a problem and let's figure out solutions. figure out solutions yeah. to the problems absolutely exactly. man. Yeah, yeah i appreciate the kind yeah. words yeah. and yeah. you know i hope our our show and everything that we've done is you know shown people that there are solutions to the problems yeah and that you know the the oil and gas industry is a very small world right yeah and it's interconnected and no one's yeah. out of reach so you know with with the new mediums that we have whether it's podcasts social media you know it's easy to find people and information and you know i hope people are able to find you guys through this show so again sure. thanks for coming on really appreciate you guys yeah. thank thanks. you so much for your time yeah yep. awesome. appreciate it all right guys if you enjoyed the episode uh please take two seconds send it to your friends 
uh, leave a rating review. We also, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, we just launched the bullpen. So go to the website, digitalwellcatters.com forward slash bullpen. There'll also be a, a link in the show notes for that as well. Uh, so we've got a whole lot of demos uh, from a whole lot of different companies in this space. We're super excited about it. We're planning on having about 20 startups on the bullpen by the end of May 2020. So whenever you're listening to that, there could be a whole lot more in the future. So catch you guys in the next episode. Come, 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 come.